entitled, Who is Your Master? Who is Your Master? Who is Your Master? The word of the Lord says we cannot serve two masters at the same time. Whether we're going to love one more than the other, or we're going to love one and hate the other. So it's not going to be the same love and passion. Let's look at um, Luke chapter 16, verse 1 to 13. Luke 16, verse 1 to 13. It says, Now Jesus was also saying to the disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a manager of his estate, and accusations against this man were brought to him, that this man was squandering his master's possessions. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management of my affairs, for you can no longer be my manager. The manager of the estate said to himself, what will I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig for a living, and, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I will do so that when I'm removed from the management, people who are my master's doctors will welcome me into their homes. So he summoned his master's doctors one by one, and he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of olive oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So, which means he's giving them, you know, uh, some uh, some debt-free debt uh, deal over there. And his, his master commanded the unjust master, not for his misdeeds, but because he had acted shrewdly by preparing for his future unemployment. For the sons of this age, the non-believers are shrewder in relation to their own kind, that is to the ways of the secular world than the sons of life, the believers. And I tell you, learn from this. Make friends for yourself for eternity by means of the wealth of unrighteousness. That is, use material resources as a way to further the work of God so that when it runs out, they will welcome you into the eternal dwellings. He who is faithful in a very little thing is always faithful in much. And he who is dishonest in a very little thing is also dishonest in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of every wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that earthly wealth, which belongs to another, whether God or man, and of which you are a trustee, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand devoted.
one and despise the other. You cannot serve two God, but God and Mammon, that is your earthly possessions or anything else you trust in and rely on instead of God. For no one can serve two masters. Beloved, the text revolves around the role that material possessions play in our relationship with God after we get saved. Jesus was saying, and this, this was a parable that Jesus gave, and most times parables are like uh, some um, illustrations Jesus usually used to, to compare events and try to bring meaning to the way that God is trying to communicate to the people. Jesus said no one can serve two masters. And as the scriptures refer to, it says, either you hate one and love the other more. We cannot serve what both God and mammon at the same time. Mammon is referred to the spirit of money. Mammon is referred to the spirit of money. That's what mammon refers to. The spirit of money, which uh, in other sense will cover riches, wealth, and all that stuff. Beloved, serving two masters, as Jesus referred to in this parable, is referring to man's heart, our heart, your heart, your conscience, your inner being. Many people say, oh, I love you, God. I love you, God. But how could we tell if you really mean you love God or if you really love God? We can only tell based on our sacrifices. When it comes to sacrificing, and I mean here it's talking about riches, money, and wealth, but sacrifices refer to, as I've made a, I did some teaching on it the last time, is when we, we are able to sacrifice or give up time. So sacrifice is not only wealth, possessions, and money, but we are able to give up time. We are able to put everything aside and say, God, I'm doing this for you. God, I'm going to serve you. God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sacrifice some time and, and study the word of God. I'm going to sacrifice time in prayer. Because in all this, we are trying to connect to God. And I was telling uh, uh, Calvin this morning that everybody is praying to God for something, right? Look at how many people are crying out to God. And it's not just believers. Even the unbelievers, even those that are idol worshippers in some way are crying out to God. Everybody else that knows that God is in existence is crying out unto God for something. Something. So, who should God answer and not answer? What will give us preference? Because you all know, even with your own children, sometimes some of your children could get things from you and the others won't. Why? Because some will sacrifice. Some will be what? Obedient. 
Some will be respectful. Some will listen to what you say. So when it comes to giving things, what are you going to look at? The one that sacrificed might probably get a little bit more than the one that is disobedient and very disrespectful. So it is our sacrifice that touches the realms of God. Our sacrifice. The sacrifices that we make. So when the opportunity arises, whether we are going to sacrifice for the sake of Christ and that matter related to God, or we are going to sacrifice for money. So when it's time to make money, and it's time to do something for God, related to God, what are you going to do first? Are you going to go say, I'm going to get the money, or you're going to say, oh, for the sake of God, I'm going to not do this, but I'll do that for God. Beloved, we shouldn't deceive ourselves. When opportunity comes and we're going to choose money over God, it means what money is our God. Money is our master. And this is what Christ was trying to communicate. Where our heart is, the position of our heart, and as I always uh, explain, the heart it's not the heart of man that pumps blood. It's not that what scripture refers to when you are reading scriptures and you come across scriptures talking about the heart of man. The scripture is referring to the spirit of man, the conscious of man, the inner, your innermost being. That is what scripture refers to when it talks about your heart, the heart of a man. It's not the organ, the biological organ that pumps blood. So Jesus here was dealing with the issue of greed. Greed. G-R-E-E-D. And this subject is connected to much of the plethora of problems, crisis, that, we are, that is confronting the world today. In all areas of our lives, in relationships, wherever we have connections as to man, the issue of greed. So Jesus was addressing the issue of greed in these diverse forms, shapes, and how it impacts our spiritual life. Jesus was referring to the issue of two masters in comparison to the subject of greed and how it impacts our spiritual life. But my question is, is money and riches bad? No, money and riches is not bad. And looking at our life, there's so much we need money to do. So money and riches, it's not a bad thing. But the word of God says the love of it, the love of it when you do anything to get it, is bad. Why? Because the love of it, as the word of God says, is the roots of all evil means let's look at the word roots the roots of a plant what are the roots of a plant do the roots of a plant is the the base of the plant that holds the plant firmly firmly and stable is the roots so when the scripture refers to the love of money is the roots of all evil it, it describes that the love for money 
provides a stable foundation for evil to grow and bear fruit. So the love of money as the roots of all evil means that the love towards money provides a solid foundation, a stable foundation for evil to grow and bear fruit. But beloved, the poor could just have as much potential for greed and covetousness as the rich. So it's not only the rich that is greedy, wants to have it all, but the poor could also have what? Potential for greed and covetousness. When God is served, mama, meaning money and riches, is used beneficently. When we serve God with mama, when we serve God with money and riches, it is used to benefit people. It's used to benefit life. But when we serve the other way around, when we serve the riches and the money, the claims of God are ignored. So when we serve God with our money and with our riches, then we use it to touch lives. And we not only touch life, but we, it impacts our spiritual life, our spiritual relationship with God. But when we serve money, what, how do you serve money? How do you serve mama? That not even a dime will come out of your pocket to help anything, somebody, no one, nada, <coughs> zero. Nothing touches your heart to bless somebody with anything. Some of us, our motto is get all you can and sit on the can. Get all you can and sit on the can. Me, myself, and I, or my wife, my one or two children, whoever, and myself. But our text in Luke chapter 16, verse 1 to 13, deals with a believer, a Christian's attitude toward a use of material possessions. The subject of money and material possessions is one that Luke, Luke that wrote this passage, is, was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Luke has been talking about the use of possession, the use of money and material possessions all throughout the book of Luke that in anywhere else that this subject has spoken about. But John the Baptist was the forerunner before Christ came on the scene, before Christ came to start his ministry, the word of the Lord says, even when Christ was in the stomach, before Christ was even, uh, the seed was planted in the mother's womb, John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, had taken seed with the birth of John the Baptist for at least six months. And the purpose was he was going to come first to make a way, to prepare a way for before Christ comes to start his ministry. So even John the Baptist preparing the people for the coming of Christ 
And we all know scripture I've been talking about. The second coming of Christ, no one knows when it's going to happen. But the word of God says he will come in the middle of the night like a thief. Like a thief comes to steal. Hallelujah. So, John the Baptist, preparing the people's heart for the coming of Christ, was not only talking about them repenting, but he was also talking about them bringing fruit. Repent and bear fruit. This is what spiritual. Repent spiritually and bear spiritual fruit. And what does the word repentance mean? Repentance means turning our hearts from wickedness and sin. Turn your heart, your spirit, your conscience, your innermost self, turn it away from wickedness and sin towards Jesus. So if you turn it away, what are you going to turn it to? You turn your heart away from that your wickedness and your sin, and you give it to Christ. So that you could receive what? Forgiveness of your sin. And stay true to him. Stay true to him. That's how you're going to bear the spiritual fruits. Stay true to Christ. Let's look at Luke chapter 3 verse 8. Luke chapter 3 verse 8. Luke chapter 3 verse 8. He said, therefore, this is done about to produce fruit that is worthy of and consistent with your repentance. He said, now I change. I'm going to serve God. Uh, someone comes to talk to you about Christ and the spirit of God convicts you and you come to the understanding that you need Christ in your life. That is repentance. And you ask God for Forgiveness of sin through the blood of Jesus. That's repentance. That is live, change lives, turn from sin and seek God and his what? Righteousness. So after your repentance, you have to attend to God and seek him for his righteousness. And do not even begin to say to yourself as a defense, we have Abraham for our father. And so our heritage assures us of salvation. Don't say your, your father or your mother are leaders of the church. Don't say your father is the pastor. This is what the Jews were doing when they were being, you know, called out for repentance and accept Christ. When the new covenant was being introduced, they were still in the mind of the old covenant. And we all know that Abraham is the, is, is the father of all nations. He is the father of the Jews. He is the father of the Hebrews. He is the father of who? The Hebrews too. And those of us that were here, you know, um, Black History Month, uh, you know, we all know I explained how that the, even the word Jew came about. So most of the time, I really don't like using the word Jew. I like using Hebrew, rather. And next time again, we're going to do explaining how we black folks are the original Hebrews. I gave all a lot of explanation. We couldn't even have time to get to it. But next year, we're going to do it again. I'll keep on bringing all that information out. 
So, so they said, well, you come around here talking about repentance and all that stuff. We got to get saved and all that stuff. But our father is Abraham. Why did they refer to Abraham as their father? Because the word of the Lord said, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as what? Righteousness. So here Christ is coming as a renewed covenant. Back then, the righteousness was temporary because before your sins were forgiven, animal sacrifice was made. An animal was sacrificed and the blood of the animal was sacrificed for humans to get forgiveness from their sin. But that was temporary. So temporary, your sins were forgiven. But the guilt of it was not forgiven. You carried around with the guilt of your sin. So here, Jesus is being presented and that we shall receive what? Righteousness, grace, and mercy through Jesus Christ. Because that is the only blood that was shed to take away sin and purge us from what our righteousness. So when we come standing in the sight of God, or when we claim we are children of God, God is accepting us as children of God through the blood of Jesus. Yes. Through the blood of Jesus. And then the Jews said, no, we don't want this. We are already right because Abraham is our father. Abraham is our father. But my salvation, you cannot write on your mother's salvation. You cannot write on your, on your father's salvation. You ought to establish a relationship with God yourself through Christ. So when we say Christian or believers, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is one-on-one relationship with God the Father through the mediator who is Christ. So, but religion is man's way of trying to get to God. We our own self, our own ways of trying to get to God. But the word of the Lord says, for who God first loved us before we loved him. So before we even have the mind to come and say, God, I love you. God, I want, I'm your child or whoever, or accept salvation. God has already provided the love, his love for us. Now, I'm not dying yet. I'm not dying. I'm not dying. So he said, we have Abraham for our father. And so our heritage assures us of salvation. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children, descendants for Abraham. For God can replace the unrepentant, regardless of your heritage, with those who are what? Obedient. God is able to replace the, the people that are disobedient to his will with those that will be obedient. Beloved, in other words, we are to what? Do what we profess. We are to do what we profess. To bear fruit as we have repented. To bear fruit after our salvation. We are to do, put into practice, what we profess. What are we professing? 
We are professing the word of God. And for that matter, we are to do the word of God. And then the crown said, so then what should we do? What should we do then? If we are to bear fruit, if we are to do what we claim, if we are to profess what we have accepted right now from you. And John the Baptist gave three specific applications that apply to three different groups. Three specific applications that apply to three different groups. And these applications, by interpretation, also deals with our relationship with God now. It, they deal with our relationship with God now. And the fact, John said, to bear fruit after accepting Christ, as your Lord and personal Savior, share your goods, share your material, share your riches. Those who have material goods, those who have clothes and goods, were to share with those who did not have. And Luke chapter 3, verse 11, can you go there? It says, and John replied, the man who has two tonics or shirts is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do the same. And then he came to the second group of people. It says, tax gatherers, those that collect taxes, Uncle Sam and the IRA, all the systems, our world today, it was in existence back then. Say, tax collectors, do not collect more than was due. And Luke chapter 3, verse 12 talks about that. But what do we see today in the business scene? Beloved, it applied to that time as it applies to the business scene now. The tax system is said that it rips us of our increase. And for that matter, you see the rich come up with all means to avoid paying taxes. So when your president said, even my secretary pays more taxes than me, a billionaire, that is what that means. So if the tax collector cheats us of our increase, then what are we going to do as believers and Christians? We're going to pass it on to our customers who do business with us. Beloved, sometimes it's hard to differentiate the Christian businessman or woman from the unbeliever due to greed and wanting to make the most profit. You know, I oftentimes go to um, government district, fashion district, when uh, it's time for me to embark on a trip to, uh, you know, uh, Ghana, West Africa. You know, I, I usually go with bags of, of gifts to pass on to, you know, people that you know, we'll be expecting blessings from me. So I go downtown fashion district for deals. And over there, you got a bike game, right? So they tell you five dollars, you say I'll give you one dollar. Then you know you go in. Because the, the businessman or woman knows where the profit is. And he's trying he or she's trying to make what? The most money out of you. So if you get close to where he or she thinks will make about 50% of the profit that he agrees and takes your money. You think you have broken a great deal. Nine out of 10, he probably made the most profit that he could make out of you. So when you, when you go to uh, other countries that 
the tax system is you know not that great but bargaining system the economy trash on how you could work your way out to squeeze the most profit out of your business so therefore the believer and the unbeliever are all in there and the third group of people John the Baptist said, soldiers should be content with their wages. And, but how does soldiers apply to us? Soldiers are in a place of authority and power. Soldiers back then and even now are in a place of what? Authority and power. Here we don't see too much. But in the most world countries, soldiers are able to invade communities with their guns and fearfulness and take over. So I believe that's what was transpiring back those times. And so John used soldiers as an example. And he was communicating to us those that are in authority and power how we should not be corrupt by our power and our authority and be greedy in our duties. Hallelujah. Because it oftentimes, when you are in authority and power, it shows many means to be greedy, to indulge in bribery and corruption, as we see today. Beloved, authority and power also apply to churches today. Why? Because for now, what we see is some churches have been very religious in their acquisition for money. And what do I mean by religious? They are in the midst of making every dollar and sitting on millions. There are churches now that sit on millions of dollars, but do not help the needy or poor or even church members that are in crisis. We see greedy politicians using corruption to gather wealth and riches to the disadvantage of society and claim they love Jesus. Right? Most of these uh, politicians show I love God. I love Jesus. But you look at the policies and the things they are doing, all is to amass and get the most money they could get to the disadvantage of society. So if you are a, a Christian or a believer that find yourself in the corridors of power, John the Baptist was talking to us not to be greedy. Christian employers treating their employees in wages. Families rising against families when it comes to the issue of inheritance, right? When it comes to any type of form of inheritance, families fall into crisis. Right? You you would think there was never love between these family members because of the issue of greed. Tell you now, my family are battling three lawsuits. Three lawsuits. My mother and her older sister are, are the only two left elders of the family. And, they are, and my grandparents were rich families, right? They were rich Cocoa farmers. Cocoa is the uh, is the is the fruit where we get chocolate and stuff from. So they were they were great 
cocoa producers back in Ghana, West Africa. And they were very rich, so they had properties, and most of these farmlands have been around for at least 100 years. And so my mother and the senior sister, who we all grew up together in love, my, my mother's senior uh, sister helped raise us, and you know, who we were like, uh, they were like twins until the issue of inheritance came in. This senior sister stood somewhere in the sight of everybody and said, she did not even know my mother. <laughs> she did not even know my mother. So, so because of greed, and this lady professed to be a pastor, right? Oh, we all knew him as a pastor, supporting churches and doing all that stuff. So our question is, where did his her love for Christ, where did that go? Because this is the whole plan. She is trying to get all she can for her children. She's trying to get all she can because she's the senior for her children. So because of greed and indulging in this type of wickedness, love was thrown out. Beloved, we see countries that are powerful taking over wealth of poor countries due to greed. Due to greed. Then they turn around and call these countries poor. Poor countries. Poor countries. But you realize that every crisis, every war that breaks out in most places I'm familiar with Africa, there's the Western world behind it pushing the buttons. Because there's gold, there's diamonds, there's oil, and these countries make up a plan to put the, these countries into crisis, into war, so they could siphon the natural resource for the advantage. As we were watching um, some of the clips, uh, this part, Black History Month, it was the issue of Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher was once the Prime Minister of Britain. His son got together with some, you know, some of some some guys, and they looked for somebody from Equatorial New Guinea. It's a country in West Africa. The oil had broke out in that country. And therefore, they wanted to create war so they could put their, their own person there so they could steal the oil. But this plot was exposed and they got caught. This guy spent seven years in prison. So, and then they turn around and say, oh, poor countries. Now you see Sierra Leone, many people are walking around with missing arms and missing legs because of the diamonds there. And that's why there was a documentary that um, came up, but now diamonds, there's a, 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 a sticker they put on to identify that the diamonds are not coming from a war zone country, a war zone country. And all the issues that came out of Sierra Leone. Beloved, all this greed today is coming from fear and anxiety. Anticipating being fear and anxiety. Let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 22 to 23. Luke 12, verse 22 to 23. Jesus said to his disciples, For this reason I tell you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat or about your body. 
as to what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Luke chapter 12, verse 28 to 34. He said, but if this is how God clothes the grass which is in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith, you who have little trust and believe in God? So for you, do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, nor have an anxious and unsettled mind. <coughs> for all the pagan nations of the world greedily seek these things. And your heavenly Father already knows that you need them. But strive for actively seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid and anxious, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you your kingdom. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you things. It is your Father's good pleasure to bless you if you seek after him. If you do his will, he will bless you. The blessings of the Lord make us rich and ask no sorrow. So what was Jesus' explanation about how we should use material possessions and our faith in God? Jesus turned the way we should view money upside down. He turned it upside down. He said, true repentance and faith, faith meaning your trust and your believing God, will dramatically change the way a follower of Christ thinks and acts with regard to what? Material possessions from getting it, keeping it, as compared to using it. Using what is within your means to love someone as you are led by the Spirit of God. Because sometimes something touches our heart to bless somebody. Sometimes something speaks to our mind to bless somebody. It might be someone close to us. It might be our neighbor. It might be the man on the street. It might be the man at the store. Something speaks to your heart to bless that person. But oftentimes, as someone I know said, anytime a voice comes to him that says, Give or bless somebody, he says, Get thee behind me, Satan. Satan, devil, get thee behind me. So, why is it that anytime you are to bless somebody or give, the only voice that you hear is the one of the devil or Satan? <laughs> he said, Satan, get thee behind me. Anytime he or she hears a voice to give, to bless somebody with little that they have. But we have to always realize that. As you know, we always say, Luke chapter 10, give what? And it shall be given to you. So if you bless somebody, that's the same way God that spoke to you to bless somebody will also speak to somebody's heart to bless you. So you never lose blessing people. You never lose blessing. You never lose. Beloved, we express our faith as Christians through love. As Christians, our faith, our trust, and belief in God is expressed through love. It's expressed through loving people. Because what God is love. The God that we are serving, that we call our Father, He is love. His name, the name of God is love. 
So if we claim to be his children, then we are to what? Emulate that love. We are to love. For, for anyone to see the sign that our Father is God, the first thing they will see is the love that emanates through our veins. The love that comes out of us. That is how people will know that this man here knows God. This man here is a child of God. So our, our faith is expressed as Christians through our love. Love is the vehicle we use to express our faith. And furthermore, another reason why Jesus changed drastically how we should think about money is that true disciples, people that believe in Christ, they come to the realization that really important things, money cannot do it. Money cannot get us things that are really important. But Jesus Christ can. Jesus Christ can. So as Christians, we seem to trust, we cease to trust money, and then we begin to trust in God instead of our money. The word of the Lord says, For what will it profit a man that he gains the whole world? Mark chapter 8, verse 36. But loses his or her soul. What is gonna what, what is it gonna profit you that you gain the whole world and lose your soul? The believer who trusts God ceases to serve money, but uses money to serve God. Beloved, the parable, if you, if you go home and read it, you might think Jesus was talking about shrewdness, how we should be shrewd. No, Jesus was using this parable as an example, a comparison as how we could be faithful. How we could be faithful to the things of God. How we could be faithful to God. We that have come to God. The true servant was true to the game. Jesus is saying, if we have come to him, put all weight aside and be true to Jesus. If we have come to him, we should put all weights aside and be true to Jesus. Let's give God all the glory. Let's bless the name of the Lord. Let's magnify his name, praise his name, thank him, bless his name, bless the name.